So in a code retreat, how could we as facilitators help attendees? Now this question I will ask my guest and we'll find some answers for that later today. Hi, my name is Peter Kofler. I am the code cop. Obviously, I'm fanatic about clean code, and for many years, I tried hard to develop quality software. Eventually, I had to change my motto to developing quality software developers. In this podcast, I will answer questions about facilitation, hosting, and participation of code retreats, and any kind of hands-on session in general. If you have any questions regarding your code retreat, please send me an email or leave me a comment. Today I'm here with uh, Amelie. Amelie is a software crafter based in Scotland. Hi, Amelie. Hi, Peter. Thank you how for you, having me. Uh, how are you doing? I'm all right. Thank you. I remember when I asked you about uh, joining the show, you even answered with uh, like the what's like the the, the chef's uh, kiss of uh, the, the the topic is uh, near to your heart. I really like that. Indeed, it happened to me at a point in my career when I was a bit looking around for how to find motivation. And so I've, I've been uh, benefiting from code retreats quite a lot. And it's good to help other people do that as well. Yeah, and that brings us back uh, to, the, to the first question. So what's your tricks to help uh, attendees get the most out of the event as a facilitator? Uh, first of all, I think I would uh, see how I can make them comfortable. So make sure that they know what the place is like. And nowadays, because we are remote, it can take many shapes. When we were in uh, physical locations, then it would be to uh, physically maybe walk around the area where we're going to have the code retreat. But in terms of having them remotely, I'd make sure that people can use the tools okay and show them how to do things for themselves. So establishing a... A shared way of how we're going to do during that code retreat would be the one of the first item I would like to do, and mm -hmm. therefore. So, mm -hmm. so would you like do a, a practice round uh, using the tools then, or how how do you make sure everybody knows his way around? Yeah, exactly. Uh, one of the things I've been doing recently, for example, when we were doing things on Zoom and we knew that we were going to use the breakout feature to en enable people to pair, the first thing we did was a small exercises where we uh, assigned people for maybe five minutes and their only task was to say hello to each other and introduce briefly who they were. So we kept it simple that way and it was go to the room, give your introductions and then come back. And by making it uh, small steps, it demystified it and made sure that everybody had their setup correctly, the audio and all the various quirks that can happen. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, regarding that, we once tried to have a warm-up day, not really a warm-up day, but like a uh, office hour. Mm -hmm. And on the day before the code trade, for one hour, uh, the meeting was open and, and there was... Uh, one facilitator was waiting there for people to show up and they could uh, see if they can push to the repo and to connect. Uh, but nobody showed up. So that was an idea and then like that didn't, wasn't used. Yeah, yeah it can be quite tricky for people to make time and yeah. uh, maybe having a very short version of that at the beginning of the event and include it in the event uh, helps. But yeah, I can see the benefit of doing it before the event because you're trying to get those troubleshooting things out of the way first. Mm -hmm. Exactly. The point of those warm-ups as well is to help 
to think of the event as a whole story and to help people warm up into the event uh, and then have a complete arc in your head of how it might happen for the attendees. And therefore, uh, after this warm up to sort of build your constraint up and try not to introduce too much at once. So people would mostly be learning one thing at a time. So with the, with the warm-up, you would be learning the tools and then you can get into the code proper and, and maybe do a first exercise that is very simple. I remember when we were doing the uh, Global Day of Code Retreat and we were describing how the game of life work, we found it super easily. When I say we, because uh, we were doing a lot of those in Cambridge and I was working with uh, Alistair Smith. So we the both of us came up with this uh, format. So we ended up doing a paper exercise first because we wanted people to think about the rules of the game of life independently of how they were going to do it in code. So that kind of breaking down of the problem uh, I found quite helpful for the attendees. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're saying so after you show the place, like after we learned the tool, you're introducing the, the problem and also like gradually and, and very slowly. Exactly. Oh, mm -hmm. And making sure that uh, people have their, um, I was going to say their brain into order, but are in a good mental space where they can concentrate on the problem by letting them arrive inside. So the, the, the paper exercise had both purposes, as it were. Okay. We talked about the paper exercise, uh, not we, the two of us, but um, I think with Sandra Pasik in the past uh, episode so i also like the paper exercise pen and paper as it's called uh, pretty mm. much and it's now i would say even my standard first session because it's making it easier to get into the problem exactly as you say if we use code we already distracted mm -hmm. so what other things uh, could you think of to like help people get the most out of the event uh, accompany them the whole way through, so as well as the warm-up, uh, thinking about how you can help them wind down and also help them reflect on the thing that they've learned today. Uh, traditionally, in the code retreat format, you can have several sessions and have a mini retrospective at the end of each session. So paying attention to what kind of question you can ask of the attendees to cement the learning that they've had throughout the day. And usually I do that by listening to what's going on in the room and seeing what sort of uh, problem people are encountering. And I try to come up with questions that are relevant to encourage people to share what they've learned with each other and also to help them do their own reflection. So after each session, having this mini retro and also at the end of the day, trying to adapt the question that I ask uh, to the attendees to help them reflect there and then. The questions are one side of it, and the other side is also giving them space. And it can be quite difficult when you're facilitating, but sometimes having three minutes of silence helps people reflect for themselves. And afterwards, they are more ready to share what they were just thinking about with the other attendees. So it helps not only the attendees, but also helps the others. Three minutes silence, I have to try that. Sounds crazy. Yeah, it, it creates some friction in the room. But I think if you announce it in advance, so you tell people you're going to do it, 
And then mm -hmm. you slowly introduce your question. And then you say, and now this is the question I would like you all to think about for three minutes. Uh, usually it's gone down okay, even on uh, remote calls. Thank you for uh, discussing uh, with me, even if I was talking over you several times. Sorry for that. It's the lag of the remote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new normal. Hope to talk to you soon. Likewise, I look forward to see what this turned out to be as a podcast. Yeah, this was my first attempt at being a guest. So thank you very much also for that opportunity. You're welcome. This is all for this episode. I'm Peter Kofler and I wish you luck with your next Coded Read or hands-on workshop. If you have any questions regarding your Coded Read, please send me an email or leave a comment. I'm looking forward to hear from you about how your event went. Coded Reads are awesome. Let's have more of them.